Missouri against the Nissan. Makes a nice move in across the line. Drops it back. Connecting. Connecting. Pass the shot. They score! Oscar Lindblom buries it. And the power play goal ties this game in two. This is episode 74 of the Liberty Yell. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? I, I mean, I'm doing well, but the Flyers... Are you? Fl- no. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. No. I, <laughs> my days are filled with complete misery, knowing that the Flyers don't care. At all. I woke up today and opened my eyes to get ready for work and kind of just asked myself, I was like, did really did last night really happen? I mean, that was some of the most pathetic efforts that I've ever seen on that ice. I mean, it has been a really long time where I mean, I talked to I talked to you a couple days ago during the All-Star break, right after Drew won the MVP of that stupid weekend that they do. Um it's just this is the first time in a really long time and of course I miss watching Flyers hockey when it's not there. I mean, you'll always have that when you can't have something you're always going to want a little bit more. But I mean, this is the first time ever that I really felt that I just don't care about not watching. I mean, it's just to the point now where it's watching them seems seems like a chore, honestly, man. It, it's a it mockery. Really that is, that is exactly what it is. It's a mockery. We tune into games every night, and we text each other, and those texts are filled with just clowning and mocking the team because that's all you really could do because it's that bad. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. I mean, like I just said, it's like a chore. Like hopping on and watching the Flyers is like cleaning windows, bro. Like I click on other games. I I clicked on I think it was Vegas and I I forget who played last night. Vegas was playing a pretty good team. Um I want to say the Flames, yeah, Vegas Flames because the Flames blew them out 6-0. I watch that. Like, you tune in the games like that, and you see actual hockey. You see teams with skill. You see teams with size. You see teams with speed who actually pass the like connect executing on passes. passes. Yeah, finishing plays, and more importantly, just picking up the puck after getting a pass and just roofing it. Like <laughs> I, I, I thought about it the other day. When was the last time I've seen a guy who could just get the puck and roof it? I mean, that little stretch Farabee had was nice. I was going to say Farabee, yeah. Yeah, that that little stretch was nice. But I'm talking, like, consistent guy who just scores goals where you're like, fucking, wow, outside of Giroux. Like, Giroux barely does it, honestly, because he's a playmaker. It's not like he's potting 50. But, like, when was the last time we've had a, wow, nothing you could do about that kind of shot from a goal Not in my lifetime, at least. Not in our lifetime we haven't had that kind of player. I mean... Like you said, Giroux is like the closest player that I could probably point to, and he's more of a playmaker. He's more of an yeah, assist and he gets guy. like eight of them a year, which yeah. is cool. I mean, he's a playmaker, but like he gets like eight of those wow, Briere goals a year. Some of his shots, I mean, he had that yeah. one shot against the Devils probably on the be top, him. right? I mean, like he's probably the last player where I would just be sitting there like, okay, like that's not the goalie's fault. I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. He put it in a in a two inch space above the goalie's shoulder. I mean. That probably Briere. I mean, Hartnell had a really nice shot in the slot on the power play. Shen had a really nice shot, but Shen and Hartnell didn't have shots where you were like, oh, there's nothing you can do about that. It's probably Briere. Yeah, I mean, that's sad. And I haven't. Briere's now the assistant to the, the GM now. Now we're making up uh, job titles. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that. But, I mean, like, it's, it's crazy to the, like, where this organization has come to now. Like I don't know if anyone has seen us recently on Twitter on our threads, but we're going we're going kind of insane over here. Yeah, I mean, like um, 
Who all is... my tweets are filled with just just cocky responses about <laughs> Flyers or Comcast, and then it, it's me and you actually I just mean, clowning them nightly. I had somebody today get mad because I called Nick Sealer trash. I mean, that's what that's where this fucking season has gone to. I got dudes getting into actual arguments with me on the timeline because I said Nick Sealer is trash, like. Anybody who's sitting here watching the Flyers and thinks that Nick Sealer should be in the lineup over Cam York, I have zero idea what you're watching. I have zero idea what your end goal is. Like, I understand. Like I've had a couple people quote tweet some of my tweets on on on, on the account and be like, "Oh, do you want to do you want a nicer draft pick? This is what they're doing." Like, yeah, of course I want a nicer draft pick, but I also want to watch competent hockey. Like I don't like. There's a real. Right now we're what seventh worst team in the league. So if the season ended right now, we have a, probably the seventh pick, and we have like a one or two percent chance of getting the top. Uh, wait, have they changed it now? No, no, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Have wait, they changed the draft lottery? I'm pretty sure they did. Yeah, they they kind of. It's like 25, 18 percent. So like it's I'm a little bit order. more than what it used to be. But I don't think we're gonna be anywhere. I don't think we're gonna finish anywhere. To the point where it's going to be a, like a high percentage to get top three, but like I just want to watch competent hockey. I mean, like losing games in on February tenth can only go so far. Like you don't like you're not going to wish for them to lose for the rest of the season. I mean, we still have like thirty something games left. Like yeah. I mean, we we are a Sabers three game win streak away from being in like the fourth pick. And I don't see an end in sight here. Like, there's no Couturier, there's no Ellis. What I'm seeing every night is just a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off, skating around, doing absolutely nothing. Even their star players, when they perform, like Drew and Atkinson, like, yeah, they're great, and they're going to be able to get you one to two goals a game. But this team just allows five to six goals a game because their defense is so atrocious, and I just don't see it getting better. And the one thing I want to say is, with the sealer being in for the tanking thing, like, York and Frost weren't, spearheading us to win games like we, we we want them to get experience i'm not expecting them to come in and stop a tank like i don't think they're that good right now yeah like, I, mean, I just want to see them play progress and get better so that next year if we do do this aggressive retool then we have morgan frost with plenty of nhl experience under his belt not just like 40 games and we have cam york with some experience under his belt that's what we want like 30 something games on a on a really really bad team and now he's on a really really i mean i I said this in the group chat yesterday. They sent Frost and York to the AHL to gain more minutes, like to play more minutes, basically. I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was Yo or Chuck, but they were like, York is going to go play 30 minutes there, gain a lot of experience, blah, blah, blah. And like, they're on a really bad AHL team. So would I rather them get experience on a really bad AHL team and play like 30 minutes a night? Or go play on the NHL. I mean, yeah, I, I know the NHL team isn't much better, but would I rather them go up into the NHL where making a mistake isn't that bad at this point where the, the Flyers are this season? I mean, if the if York or Frost lose a game in OT or like lose a game in the third period, it doesn't matter. We're not in a fucking playoff race. Like, yeah, I mean, if I'm anything, watching, that's good. I'm watching Nick Sealer. I mean, I don't mind Derek Brassard. Nick Sealer. I'm still watching Keith Yandel when we're – I mean, Danny Briere basically admitted in his opening press conference yesterday morning that the Flyers' thought process right now is at what they're going to do at the trade deadline, and then after that, he said it's going to focus to the amateur draft. And the the, the the team is basically admitting the team is dead in the water. 
So why am I still seeing these veteran players? Why am I not seeing Zamula? Why am I not seeing York? Why am I not seeing Morgan Frost as one C? And like you just said, I'm not saying Morgan Frost is going to come in here and blow the doors down. I don't think he's been very good this year, honestly. And I'm a big Morgan Frost guy. I think he's played better in his last five, six games, honestly. I, it's kind of ironic how they sent him down now after playing some pretty good hockey his last handful of games. But... I'm not expecting, like you said, them to come in and, and, and stop a tank. I mean, for Christ's sake, we're watching Nick Sealer and Keith Yandel on the same on the same pair. Gary Mayhew, as good as he's been, is on power play two with Ristolainen and Keith. I mean, it's bad right now. So why not let these kids, why not let Isaiah Ratcliffe play in the top six? Why not let Morgan Frost center, center Claude Giroux and Cam Atkinson? Like, give, put these kids in good positions, and if they don't do well, then they get some NHL experience. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm tired yeah, of watching... and then Nick we Sealer. know what we have going into next exactly. year. It's like a good inventory take for next season is what it is. It, it will allow you to go into this aggressive retool. I keep using that in yeah. air quotes because we have yet to see what a, f- a real aggressive retool looks like out of Chuck Fletcher, so I'm a little skeptical. Uh, but yeah, it's about taking inventory. It's about saying, oh, Cam York played this amount of games in the NHL, and he held his own. He might be able to, and we can expect him to take a spot out of training camp. Same with Frost. That's the that's the purpose of it. It's kind of like a tryout. Yeah, I mean, I saw a tweet that kind of explained the whole Frost thing, kind of kind of perfectly. I mean, we already know that he's kind of a point per game guy in the AHL. So I mean, like, there's nothing more for him to gain in the AHL. And I'm not saying he's going to blow the door down in the AHL, especially on this roster, the way they're playing right now. I mean, nobody on this team outside of Claude Giroux. And even even G goes on like a little streak because like nobody on this team has any kind of confidence right now. So it's it's really hard to like pinpoint frustration on Morgan, 22-year-old Morgan Frost for not producing the way we want him to produce when they're, he's on a really shitty team. And I'm not making excuses for anyone because I don't I have not liked the way Frost has played. And I do think that he's trying so hard to prove that he can play a two-way defensive game in the NHL to the point where like the offensive game isn't there yet. And once he really pats that down, I think it will eventually come because he's just su- such a skilled guy. But... There's there's only two players I have sympathy for on this entire franchise. Yeah. This entire franchise. And it's two, and it's players, Hart and Giroux. Yeah. Hart, because he plays his ass off, doesn't get the support in front of him, and I'm honestly surprised that he hasn't exploded on the team yet. It's probably because he's just such a nice kid. I always have to remind myself, he's like 23, 24 years old, and he's this good, and we're, we're fumbling a chance like this. The money he's making right now... The, the performances he's giving us right now, and we're fumbling it. And Giroux, all the same. Giroux came out this season, fired up, energetic, looked like the only one who showed up to go to work this season. Yeah. So those are the two players I have sympathy for. And this a que- this question was asked by Jacuizzi. Thoughts on Frost getting sent down when half the team is AHL caliber? And we just kind of covered that. Yeah. I, uh, mean, I think it's, it's an absolute joke. It's a joke. I mean, at this point in the season... We're not making the playoffs. Like Danny said, we're a, a, a Sabres three-game win streak away from having the fourth pick in the draft. So at this point, you need to let these kids, no matter how they turn out, you got to let these kids get some serious NHL time. I'm talking Ratty in the top six. I'm talking Zamula top four. I mean, not top four. I'm talking Zamula in the NHL, uh, York top four. I mean, we got to start. Let's see what we have in this because as good as Gary Mayhew has been as, as as fun as it's been to watch I guess Max Willman 
they're not going to be on this team in a year or two. Like, these guys are not the future. So why am I seeing, like, why am I getting, like, this many minutes of, of Gary Mayhew, of, of, of Max Willman, of, of, of J- I mean, JVR has been fucking brutal this year. He has 18 points in 46 games, and he makes $7 million. I mean, and let's be honest, his points are unimpressive, and I hate to be that guy, especially <laughs> when I was the dude who used to say, like, with Simmons, all goals count, like, the because re- there was people who give Simmons shit because he would lead the team in goals every year, but, yeah. like, 20 of them are redirects on the power play, and I'd be like, oh, no, all goals count, but with JVR, man, y- it's nothing. You nothing. get nothing. Nothing, and then the guy who's supposed to be so good on the on the power play net front we have the third worst power play in the NHL. We are converting at a fourteen point four percent rate. Only Montreal and Arizona is worse than us. Montreal we have five goals since the start of the new year. Mont- five power play goals. <laughs> Montreal just hired a head, a head coach and Martin Lee Saint Louis. I'm pretty sure has no head coaching experience other than like junior league. Like, I'm pretty sure like, has he been an assistant anywhere? Like where no, did he Mon- even Montreal from? loves to do this thing where they get French speaking coaches because they have to deal with the french media so like there's a really specific amount of coach actually i was expecting them to get elaine Vigneault because of that reason (laughs) i'm serious if you look at all of their coaches they all speak french because you have to deal with the french media there so it's one of them things where it's like i don't know who else so they probably were just like oh fuck it marty st louis marty's i mean that's funny dude i mean like the only two teams are arizona who's running out a college stadium right now and paying fucking rent and building expenses to 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 stay there for the next what year and a half. They're not yeah, they're not a real NHL team. Yeah, they're not. And I feel bad for 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 Clayton Keller, for Jacob Chitron, for I mean who else is on that team? Uh that's it, right? <laughs> Ghost. Uh, like I mean, they're a fucking mess. All they do is take salary cap dumps and remember they had that one scandal drafting that one player yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. yeah, they had to like completely take away their draft pick, and then they had another scandal where they worked out players before the combine, and like yeah, made them do, do weird trials and, yeah. and forfeited their first round pick for this season, I believe. Like you the said, season before. Like you said, they're not a real, they are not a real franchise. I refuse to acknowledge the Arizona Coyotes as an actual franchise in the NHL. That's where, just that's where. Career's gonna die. It seems like that. That's the new. Well, that's the new what, Edmonton now. <laughs> like that's where just dudes go and they just don't produce, even though they're Connor McDavid and Leon Drossile. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how. Is there even any like fan base in Arizona? I, I mean, know. I know there has to be some fans, but not like, much. Is there not an many. uproar about the fact that they can't go to a NHL stadium? Like, I'd be really pissed about that. Yeah, like, imagine I'm, the Flyers pulling some shit like that. The new stadium, I think, fits like two, three thousand people. It's something crazy. Like, it's 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 so weird, man. It's gonna be extremely, extremely weird to see that. But do you want to get into uh, John Torchetti real quick, just so we don't forget that they hired? Yeah, yeah. I want to start with the Torchetti and and Briere. I want to start it off by saying, I just think it's funny how. In the press conference, Dave Scott is just next to Chuck Fletcher, basically giving him the biggest vote of confidence I've ever seen, giving him the most extreme job security I've ever seen. Like, it, We're going to be good a, next year, right, Chuck? right, Chuck? Basically what it was. He would look over, basically was yeah. saying, me and Chuck are a team. We are not straying away from the path no matter what. Basically, like, I'm not saying I want Chuck like fired today, 
but I want some kind of pressure or a hot seat. Like, the way that press conference made it sound was like, oh, Chuck, I mean, it's not your fault. Like, the team you built was good. They, they just got injured. They, and it's not fully that. But that's what the press conference felt like them doing. It felt like them just going, the team Chuck built was good, but it got hurt and we had COVID issues. That's just yeah. un- unacceptable. The I'm, team he built was not good. No, I'm I'm a hundred percent convinced. I mean, first of all, Dave Scott has no idea what's going on. The day to day hockey operator. I mean, he admitted it. He's not a hockey guy. Like he had, he he admitted he's not a hockey guy, and he hires the people around him who know hockey. I mean, he basically said that at the interview. So that, like, this guy has zero idea what's going on, and I'm. A hundred percent confident that Chuck Fletcher is just—I mean, Chuck Fletcher reports to Dave Scott, obviously. So I am a hundred percent confident that Chuck Fletcher is basically like Chuck. I don't know, man. Like I—I built a good team. I added pieces. Just COVID and injuries, and Dave's like, "It's okay, Chuck. Next year, next year, right?" I mean, it's it's the same repetitive bullshit every fucking year, dude. Like, like you said, he kept looking over at him at the press conference, like to get confirmation on what he was saying to make sure the note card that he read five minutes before the press conference started was correct. He said, oh, I want to make sure that what you wrote and told me ten minutes before this started is still what we're saying now. Like, oh, we're going to be good next year, right, Chuck? Like, let's just keep prolonging when we're going to be good. Like, it, it just seems like Chuck's kind of like, let me just tell, tell him some fabricated bullshit and I'll be right back as the GM next year. And like you said, I'm not blaming Chuck solely for what for this season because if you really look at his additions i mean the drew Atkinson, i mean the drew the voracek Atkinson trade was beautiful i mean i'm doing that 10 times out of 10 that that was by far probably his best addition as flyers gm i mean that trade was awesome rista line has been okay i mean he brought in nate thompson i mean like the, the the players that he did bring in Derek brassard when he's been healthy has been good i mean like the dudes that he's brought in haven't been bad it's just the team that he had before that james van reams like Travis Konechny, Scott Lawton, Ivan Provorov took a step back. Travis Sandheim is not good. Like, it just, that that's where we're at now. Zach McEwen was a waiver wire pickup. Bratchett Brown was a waiver wire pickup. I mean, like, that's where we're at now. And now, I'm going to give Chuck one last shot. One last chance to construct this team the way he wants to. And if next year is anything like this, then, I mean, like, I think we have to start talking about getting rid of this guy. Briere time. I gave him... I believe two years of a pass, Chuck Fletcher, for questionable moves that he made solely because of the seasons that happened. 56-game season, no fans, bubble season, no fans. So going into this year, I thought to myself, and I said it on the podcast multiple times, this is the year we can fully judge him. This is Chuck's team. Mm -hmm. Full 82, his third season under the team. Anyone that Hextall drafted that is still here three years into Chuck, that's on Chuck now. We no longer can... It's on Chuck for not making moves to get rid of him, like JVR. Yeah, I mean, the JVR the, the, the JVR situation is probably the most frustrating thing because, I mean, even you were sitting here a year and a half ago screaming and begging for this team to cash in when they could on Van Reem's leg. I'm mean, pretty sure he was tied first with points with Giroux last year on the team. I mean, that was probably the, the, the perfect and only time to trade him for anything worthwhile. I mean, now you're probably going to have to eat cap if – if anything, yeah. Now you got to sweeten the deal. Yeah, I mean, like how many, like how much cap are they going to be eating? Because if, if Giroux goes, which we'll talk about soon, they're definitely going to be eating some cap on that. Because whoever, whatever team takes him, is going to be in playoff position, and they're going to be in no position to take on eight point two million. I mean, eight, eight point one. I think it is. Yeah, 8. but the beauty 1. of that is it'll be up 
up in June, July. Oh, yeah, I know. But, I mean, like, in the position that teams are going to be in in the playoffs, I mean, not a lot of playoff teams are going to have that kind of cap space. So whatever team that he goes to, we're going to have to eat half of it. So, I mean, how many how many trades are we going to make that we're eating cap? So, I mean, the JVR situation sucks. Really, it, it does. I would take a bag of pucks for him at this point. I, I, I'm really not trying to be an ass. I mean, he's just not good. Like, he's just not consistent enough at all. I mean, he goes, he disappears. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like, if he's not scoring goals, he's doing absolutely fucking nothing. I mean, there's a reason why he was benched in the playoffs two years ago. Exactly. I mean, if he's not scoring goals, he's doing fucking absolutely nothing. And he's the most useless player that I have seen in a top six in a really long fucking time, man. He's been in and out of the Flyers organization since 2007, and I, I feel like he's been a ghost the entire time. I, I like, don't know what he does well. I, don't, I barely even know him as a guy. He barely even fucking talks, I swear to God. And, like... What do I have to do to get rid of Genius Dranovich? Like, what do I have to do to not see this guy in an orange and black sweater come next year? Sadly, I, I think at this point they're they're gonna ride out his deal, which is I terrifying, think. bro. It's terrifying. Which, which, no, like, I I think you're right. I really do because I don't think unless they go for it this year, unless they go out and sign a, a Johnny Gaudreau, because I don't think they're gonna be anywhere near Kadri because I think Kadri's gonna want way too much money. If they don't get Goudreau this year, this next year's gonna. I mean, uh, next year if Giroux goes, th- that year's gonna suck. So we might be a basement team next year too. Like honestly, that's where got, th- that's the point where we're at now, man. We got a question from Seamus. I feel like this is a good time to throw this in. Who was on your list of untradeables? Felt like it was a great time to start this one off. I mean, me and you have talked a lot about this. My own. It, yeah, yeah. It's exclusively Carter Hart, and let me clarify what untouchable means. (laughs) When I say that only Carter Hart is untouchable, I am not saying I want everyone else on the entire team traded solely because we had a piss-poor season. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he is the only player that, no matter what GM calls the team, if I'm Chuck Fletcher, I don't even hit that green accept button. Not one bit. No. So in saying that, I don't believe guys like Couturier, Provorov, Farabee will be traded. I do not believe that. Do I think they are untouchable? No. No. Absolutely not. I think you can still listen to phone calls because the fact is Couturier is coming off a, a year where he's injured all year into an eight-year deal. You listen to the fucking phone call. You know what I'm saying? It's not like if Couturier was still making the four mil that he was making prior, then maybe maybe I'll add him to that list. But yeah. like, it's a business, and Carter Hart at three point nine million is my only untouchable. Well, you got to face the facts with Couturier. I mean, he's turning thirty years old. That contract's kicking in next year. I mean, he's not by any means untouchable, but it also doesn't mean that we're fucking sitting here ready to trade these guys away. All we're saying is, like you said, if. Somebody calls on Carter Hart. The phone is not getting picked up. That's the only player on this team that I feel that way about. I'm sorry. Like that's the only like Provorov. Like, he's as good as he is. I'm picking up the phone and I'm listening to whatever they have to say. Yeah. Joel Faraby, as good as he is, I'm picking up the phone and listening to what they have to say. And does that mean that I'm that I'm that I'm ready to trade him away no absolutely not because it's gonna take a lot a lot for me to trade Joel yeah, Fair. I love away. those players love we him. love those players but if Winnipeg doesn't make the playoffs this year for like I don't know if they've missed the playoffs in previous years but I'm, I, I know they've been in it 
but they haven't done anything. And now they have a really stacked team. They got Blake Wheeler, Kyle Connor, Ellers, Shifley, uh, Morrissey on defense, Hella Bucket goalie. And if they don't make the playoffs this year, I could see them shaking things up a little bit. And if Winnipeg calls you, Danny, straight up, if Winnipeg calls you and goes, we want to shake things up a little bit, we got 25 year old Kyle Connor, would you do something with him and Joel Farabee? I mean, like, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. and that- so There's multiple guys on the Winnipeg Jets. I'm, the Winnipeg Jets could call me and be like, we want to trade one of our top-end forwards for Joel Farabee, and um, um, discussions will start. Yes, that's... I mean... That makes him They have touchable. to. Will we as do the deal? Sounds. <laughs> will we do... <laughs> but will we do the deal? Maybe not. Probably, but we're yeah. listening. It, it's going to take a listening. lot. It's going to take just more than him, but the, the, the whole point of it is we're listening. Absolutely. And the only player... To answer this question, the only player that is untouchable is Carter Hart. And that's the only player that should be untouchable. Just doesn't mean that we're ready to trade him. That's it. That, that, that's the point that we want to get across. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I'm sick of Joel Farabee and Sean Gatoria. No, I'm not. Because if, if I love Sean those Gattori guys and we'll buy team, their jerseys in a heartbeat. Like, yeah. It sucks we haven't had Sean Gatoria because if Sean Gatoria and Farabee and Ellis were on this team, then maybe things are a little different. I mean, I'm confident to say that, like, it might be like six, seven wins different, but it's not much different. I mean, the team sucks. I mean, they should be able to win games with Cam Atkinson, Claude Giroux, Travis Konechny, James Rand Reams, like Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, R- Rasmus Ristolainen, Carter Hart. Like, you should be able to go out and win games and not look like dog shit against exactly. the Detroit Exactly. More Red than Wings. that, they should be I'm able sorry. to. I'm sorry. They should be able to execute more than they are. It, 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 it's more. Sp- simpler than just winning games it's when you sit in front of your tv and you watch the team like they're down one nothing two minutes into every single every game, game. Every, every single game. game i don't know why i haven't bet it yet because it's it's, it's kind of a thing that like when it, it happens you kind of like look around your room to make sure it's real and then like what you're looking at is actually happening but it's been like that for fucking like four weeks now i feel like they came back from the all-star break and nothing changed i had that little no. glimmer of hope inside of me that 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 was like chris maybe just maybe this break will like give them. I, I I don't even know what I was thinking. This break will give them a little time to like go eat some chicken tenders and fries by the pool and like just just reset kind of drink some beers, hammer some beers home, and then come back and reset. And that's not what happened at all, man. I mean, they were doing check-in drills at practice today. Like we gotta do check-in drills. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the NHL, man. Like what are we fucking doing here, bro? I cannot wait till Mike Yo's gone. Like, get this guy to fuck out. I don't know who. Uh, I just, I could snap about it, but it's brutal, man. I mean, they, like I said in the opening section of the podcast, it's like watching, it's like cleaning windows watching this fucking team. It's a chore. It's, an, it's 100% chore. It's brutal. I, uh, I, I felt like last night I betrayed the team, but in a way... I did go by myself because I, I learned my lesson, man. I bet I bet I bet twenty dollars on the Detroit Red Wings money line, and I'm telling you, there was never a doubt. Never. <laughs> like, and it was kind of it was one of them things where like if the Flyers surprise me and come back, sweet. But I know they're not gonna, and they didn't. Betray the team needed to be done. It's, it's business at the end of the day. It's just a business. I mean, as much as I hate to admit this, the Flyers just became so irrelevant. So irrelevant with that James Harden trade, and I don't want to talk about NBA too much. No, but, but we have we kind of have to address this because yeah, definitely. It, it, it's a momentum shift of extreme magnitudes, and not like the Flyers had any momentum in the city anyway. But it's to the point now where like 
no, I bet nobody wants to hear a damn thing about the Not Flyers. Not one thing. And I got to say something. You, you're you going to tell me that the Sixers and the Flyers play in the same building. And Dave Scott is going to see the difference between a fucking loaded Sixers packed building when James Harden is suits up for this team in probably a couple days. And then he's going to go look at the atrocity that is the Flyers warm-up skate where there's like probably 20 people in the building. I mean, you cannot tell me that these dudes do not notice this and are, are not are not mad. I mean, like obviously they're not mad because we got a fucking letter from Dave Scott. Oh, we'll talk about that. That pisses me off. I'll, I'll be screaming about that very shortly. But like I said, I'm like you should be able to win games with a roster despite not having Ryan Ellis, who I don't know if he even exists at this point. You don't have him. You don't have Sean Couturier. You don't have Joel Farabee. You don't have a fully healthy Kevin Hayes. Like, yeah, like there hasn't been a lot of like key injuries to this team. I mean, if you were to pick three dudes that I absolutely 100% would not want to get injured to start the season, it probably would have been Sean Couturier, Claude Giroux, and Ryan Ellis. And we got two out of the three hurt within the first like two weeks of the season. So, yeah, that sucks. But with the roster that you have, Besides them and Cam and Giroux, Konechny, Lawton. I mean, I already been through it. You should be able to win hockey games, and you should be able to like win hockey games in a row, and like actually look good and be in a playoff race and wait for these guys to come back. Because, yeah, I think the team improves with them coming back, but I don't think the team improves to the point where like everything's forgotten and like we're all back to fucking being so happy and joyful about like the Flyers. Like that's not happening. Like if these guys come back, things will be changing. No matter if Sean Couturier and those guys would be healthy right now like it's, it's that's where we have yeah like ryan ellis coming back isn't gonna prevent connect from hitting glass <laughs> on nine out of ten wrist shots you know what i'm saying yeah. it's not gonna it's not gonna prevent oscar limbaugh from going quiet for three games like i'm sorry but it just it just has to be said there's players underperforming like sean casuria coming back isn't gonna magically turn jvr into uh, an above stand. half a game a half a point per game player He's not even at half a point per game. $7 million. And he's supposed to be a goal scorer. I mean, how many goals does he have? 11. 11 goals. How many does Chris Kreider have? How many does Boone Jenner have? Nah, I'll, I'll tell you how much I, I mean, Chris Kreider has right now, bro. I mean, like, we talked about it. And when, I honestly, I hate getting into... I hate saying, oh, he, well, he makes this much money, so he has to, like, score goals. But, I mean, that's really what it comes down to James, with James. Because if he's not scoring goals, like I've said before, he's not doing anything. And, by the way, Chris Carter has 33 goals. It's a joke. <laughs> it's Alex, a joke, James. Alex DeBrinkett has 27. Kyle Connor has 25. Troy Terry, 25. Dylan Larkin, 24. Jake Gensel has 23. Matt Duchesne has 22. Andrew Mangipani has 22, bro. Like, it's like, and I'm not even going to call Andrew Mangiapane a goal scorer, but he has almost double the amount of goals that my quote-unquote goal scorer has. So what the fuck are we talking about? Goal scorer. He's the most streaky goal scorer I've ever seen in my life, dude. He gets like two tap-ins, and people call him a fucking goal scorer. Get two tap-ins that are bro. dimes from, like, Giroud, too. <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the shit that cracks me up about James Van Reems, like, though. It's like, yeah, he has 11 goals. Him. He has 11 goals, but I bet you six of them are, like, dime passes from Drew to wide-open nets. Like, 
he does, he doesn't create space for himself. He doesn't create goal. I've never seen him once get the puck and like beat a defender, go no. in on a goal and score. Masses. Hell no, you're getting a chip and chase, baby. That's all you're gonna get. The defender shows up, he's chipping the bitch in. He's gonna go hustle. He's gonna go lose a puck battle. Maybe someone bails him out, but if they don't, it's going the other way. I mean, I haven't seen JBR with that that power move since he was 21 before he got traded. I mean, and I'm talking about number 21. Yeah. Way before that. And you said it best, dude. The, pr- the product is shit. They can't win a game. And you said it best when you said when James Harden suits up. Just watch. I mean, the Sixers no, have... just watch. The Sixers have three home games upcoming. Damn one me. of them... One of them is against the Celtics, the Boston Celtics. I know. I Flyers fans who don't normally watch Sixers games... I mean, I don't really watch every Sixers game. No. Tune in to these next three Sixers games... Watch the passion in the building. Watch how loud they scream after a, a two-point basket gets made. And then go back to Dave Scott, Scott's comments about how, oh, the Sixers are affected by this, too. No, it's a total joke. Danny, I'm not even, like, I don't even like watching the NBA. And I might go to a fucking game. I have never been to an NBA game ever in my entire life. And I might go to a game to watch James Harden. And I feel the electricity in that building. And it should we should be sitting here talking about who we're trading for to make a run with Claude Giroux, bro. And now we're talking about trading this guy away. Now we're talking about his legacy ending here, unless he signs back, which never really happens. People always want to throw that out. Like, Ooh, he'll just he'll just go try to get a cup. If all else fail, fails, he'll he'll just sign back. Like that's easier said than done, my man. Like we don't see that happen. Very often. And it couldn't happen with Claude Giroux. Yeah, of course. But it's few and far between. Uh, we are talking about this organization ruining a 22-year-old's entire career. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I, I, I mean that with everything I have inside of me. 22-year-old Claude Giroux went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010. And he never sniffed. And he never sniffed an ECF after that. And don't give me that bullshit of Game 7 against the Islanders in the bubble a couple years ago. They were never in that game. They should have never been in that series. He has never sniffed an ECF since he was 22 years old. They have ruined. They ruined his legacy. I mean, I say it. With, I say it with my dad all the time, and, and you. The best player they put around Claude Giroux was a 45-year-old Yamir Yager. Voracek was awesome, but the year that Claude Giroux had with Yamir Yager and Scott Hartnell on that line. He's the best player that they put that they put around him, 100%. I mean, you could say Chris Pronger, but I'm talking about after they got swept by Boston and after they decided that they were going to go forward with Claude Giroux as the centerpiece of this team. They have not. They did not put anybody better, but 45 year old Yalamir Yager around him. Bottom line. Drew 2017-18. Drew had a 102 point season. The team goes to the playoffs and has to take on. The Goliath that is the Pittsburgh Penguins off of two back-to-back Stanley Cup wins. Yep. And he's asked to just fend for his life with the names on that team. Can I, ask, I can I read Goodis, you Matt Reed. I mean, I could just go through the list of names. I don't you guys know the names. The Dave Hackstall led flyer. It took a hundred and two point season out of Drew. A year in which he gets nominated for the Hart Trophy. And how do they reward him? He's still playing with tankers, tank yeah. specialists. He has been number one on the team in points nine times of his career. He was number one in 2010, 2011. The next year, 2012, 2013. 2014, 2015, he was number two. 2015, 2016, number one. 18, 19, 
20, no, 1819, he was number one. 1920, he was number four. Then the next, last year, he's been number one. He has been the number one scorer on this team for more than half his career here. It's an absolute joke. I have the stats right here. I mean, it's an absolute joke. They have put absolutely nobody around this guy. No I think I think about all the years he's had to deal with the media going up to him and like, Claw, when are you going to... Like, just remember how miserable he used to be at some of those press conferences? I'm just yeah. thinking about all those years where the team told him, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, there's a bigger plan for this. We're eventually going to transition into win now. And he had to deal with, like, Karchidi in his face. The that- team's one, the team's one and seven. What are you going to do? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I remember one year, 2014, they actually did start one and seven. And he guaranteed to the media, we're gonna make the playoffs. You remember that? He yeah. didn't score. He didn't score a goal to like midway through November. But when he scored that first goal, he went on an absolute monster stretch for the rest of the season. Got us to a game seven against the Rangers. I do remember that. I mean, Cla- he, he's Claude been a monster. It, yeah, like the loyalty. Never once has he you ever hear a bad thing about him. Not I mean, once. like the only bad things you hear about him are for people. Who were just in the fan base, honestly, or like someone in a Pittsburgh fan base, but like everyone who's ever been in a locker room talks about the competitive drive he has, how good of a leader he is. Yeah. It's just it just comes down to the fact that he's never had the supporting cast. I mean, we always glorify Mike Richards and his leadership ability, but he had Chris Pronger, Kimo Tiemann, and Jeff Carter, Danny Briere. Claude Drew Giroux. had none of them. He had Claude Giroux. <laughs> like And he had Claude Giroux. Yeah, exactly. It's it's <laughs> Imagine, like, if Giroux had a team like that to lead. It, the story would be different. He might. He might very soon. He might in less than a month, dude. He might have Miko Rantanen, Kel McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Andre Barakasi, all those guys to fucking lead. And it shouldn't have been this soon. That's why this year stings so much. That's why it stings more than any oh. Hackstall or Hextall year. And that's why right now this the state of the fan base is really just fuck this team, and it should be. Until they give us a reason to come back. Until I see a real aggressive retool. I mean, like, you guys, I saw Chuck Fletcher sit on the same podium last year, say, we are what we are, the same shit. Talk about, we're going to go in this summer and make big changes. We're in the same boat, bud. We're in the same boat. You're giving the same press conference to me a year later. Like, how long are we going to keep this loop going? Pick a side. As long as Dave Scott allows it to happen, man. That's like that's where we're at now, and like, and it all goes back to what I said ten minutes ago about the the press conference. It it all seems like it's Chuck Fletcher like telling Dave Scott what he wants to hear, so Dave Scott extends the time a little bit more because Dave Scott has no idea what the fuck is going on. Like I don't even think he knows how far out of the playoff race he is. We are. I don't think he knows who Shane Wright is. I don't think he knows who fucking Matt, uh, Savoy is. I don't think he knows any of these guys. Like he does not know what's going on. So it's scary, bro. It's 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 really scary. It's to the point where I don't know where to like I don't know what to think because there's just a lot of a, a lot of shit happening. I mean, we have fucking three GMs now. We're adding people. I mean, you said it. Like you said it best. Instead of yeah. people losing their jobs, Chuck hires his buddy. And I yeah I know we need an assistant coach because we fired Elaine and Elaine and Michelle. Yeah, I know it was eventually coming, so them randomly hiring a guy doesn't mean shit, but I'm going to make like, the, the joke. But, like, the only reason they made that move is so Dave Scott can save face. That's what it is. Because for a couple weeks, we, we bought into it. We Because the team started winning a tiny bit under Yo. Yeah, we were like, like, fuck two games. 
and and they but the heat gets taken off for a little bit and that's why they do it it's like a pr move that but like outside of that there's no real accountability in the organization and that that's what that's what i was stressing to you when i when i say this it's like people are only getting jobs like jvr for example he got benched in the playoffs three years ago yeah you play like shit in philadelphia you still have a job that like there should be some kind of fear as a gm as a coach, as a player, there should be some kind of culture instilled where if you're not pulling your weight, you go. Yeah. And that's just how it should be. And it, it's not the case here. It's just, it, for some reason, we hang on to players longer than we should. We hang on to executives longer than we should. And, and it goes back to what I was saying. Like, I'm not saying fire Chuck tomorrow. We're, we, we, we will give him one more chance if need be. It's just we're hiring people. Torchetti yeah. got hired. Briere gets hired. Nobody gets they, fired. They just and the hired team two, is still losing games. They just hired two analytical people too. So, Catherine Yates and Cole Anderson. They just hired two more to their analytic department. So, I mean, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned culture because I just got done watching a video earlier this morning. Tyler Kennedy. He used to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I I hated him. I hated his face. I hated his nose. I hated everything about him, the way he played. I mean, he, he he was one of those players that if he was on your team that you would like him, but he wasn't. And he was commenting on the, the whole Marshan and Jari thing. And he was talking about how back when he was playing with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Evander Kane took a run at Sidney Crosby. And I remember he said, he said, I remember going back to the bench and looking at Matt Cook, and Matt Cook says, which one which one of us is going to go after him? Like, which one's grabbing him? And before Tyler could, like, say anything, Matt just went, I'm grabbing him. So, I mean, you can go look up the fight. Evander Kane put Matt Cook down. I mean, he only, I, I, it looks like he knocks him out in the fight. But it was just, Tyler Kennedy was just saying, it's, 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 the, it's the mindset that you're not going to go into a, a team's arena and take a run at their star and he went on to say that in his career he wouldn't have to worry about going in Detroit and and somebody running at him if they run at one of their stars because there was nobody there to do it and then he mentioned how when he played Philly was that place that if you ran at Giroux you knew somebody was coming after you and then he went on to say Philly's losing that and it really hit it really hit me it really did he was like Philly is losing that mentality that respect around the league uh, team, I mean, and, and we're seeing it now. Teams come in here. I mean, Troy Terry scored. I'm pretty sure we gave up three hat tricks in a row. It was like Troy Terry, Timo Meyer, and then Pasternak. I mean, teams when they verse us, they they they, they smile, they grin. They're like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. I'm going to be able to hit whoever I want. I'm going to be able to dance into the slot. I'm uh, I'm going to be allowed to snow the goalie, get real close to the goal. It's it's I don't know him just. Saying that, I mean, he's a really good storyteller. He should probably start a podcast. But, I mean, it, it really hit me when he was like, Philly's losing that. Because he mentioned for 30 seconds before that how Philly used to have that respect. How Tyler Kennedy, before a game, when he was warming up, before a Flyers game, would have that thought in the back of his mind. That if I run at Claude Giroux, I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to have Wayne Simmons coming at my fucking neck. And, like, it's... It sucks, dude, because it's not, like, one person. I'm not just saying Wayne Simmons being on the team, everything's okay. But it, it's an overall, like you just said, culture. And it's an overall mental state that this team's in. There's no accountability from top to bottom, and it starts with Dave Scott. There's no accountability with him. All he wants to be told is what he wants to hear, and he lets shit happen. He doesn't care what's going on. He doesn't care. That's where I'm at. 
And this team, like you said with Giroux, I'm also going to say we the Flyers also used to have a pride for playing for their goalies, especially if their goalies showed out. Like I could think yeah. of so many games where we've had goalies who are maybe not necessarily like good or even average goalies, but they start playing well. And the Flyers get fired up from it. Like I can think of games in like 2015 with Rob Zeth. Zeth. Yep. He, he makes a couple big saves, and then the Flyers are like, all right, we're going to play for this guy, and we're going to win this game. I mean, even the Carolina Hurricanes just last year won a game with an emergency backup goalie against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, that's the culture that we're saying. Like, you, you got to – Sandstrom. Sandstrom put up that amazing oh, performance gosh. earlier this season, and they let it slip. Oh, and I man. know it's just one game – but like no, that was to have a rookie come in and literally save the day like he did. He he like he faced forty five shots, went to a shootout or OT. What was it? No, you're right. It was OT. Yeah, exactly. And and like you you got to win that game for him, man. That's an energetic win, and that that's a game that the Flyers would have won in the past, no matter how bad the team was. Like a twenty fifteen Flyers team still wins that game. They oh. score a couple power play goals and they win that game for him. Yeah, we saw it with. Carter Hart, when he first came up, his first game, I think it was against Nashville. Was it against Nashville? Yeah, it, yeah, I think so. It was either Nashville or Detroit. It was, yeah, no, it was definitely Detroit. His his first start was against Detroit, and like guys were throwing their 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 heads at pucks to to block it. I mean, and that was only a couple of years ago. So it's that, but it's we need that kind of energy elongated into like the entire season. And it's just not anywhere in organization right now. And like that, the comment that Chuck Fletcher said, I think it was like last year when all this shit first started, like when this off season started, you, I remember him being like, nobody was smiling around the building. Like it was just a, a dark and sad environment to be in. And like, how much better is that now? But it's it's ten times worse, even with the moves that he made. So it, it's extremely worrisome. The the culture that the Flyers have right now, they don't have one, and that's the problem. That's a huge problem right now. And so Jack asked the question: Do you realistically see Giroux being traded by the deadline? I mean, I'll start out with this one. the The whole thing with Giroux is that he controls his fate. So whether or not Giroux wants to go or whether he wants to stay, it's it's ultimately going to be up to him. But from a team perspective. I mean, obviously, as a fan, nobody wants to see Claude Giroux get traded. I mean, he's the captain of the team. He's been he's been my entire Flyers fan life, if you will. But if the fly if if Claude Giroux wants to go win a cup, the best thing for the team is to trade him now because you're not going to let him walk away for nothing in the off season. Because I mean, like if we're if we're being realistic, the dude's 34 years old and. He wants to go win a cup, and the Flyers are nowhere near that right now. So, yeah, I I, I do realistically see, realistically see Giroux getting traded because I don't think this is going to get any better, and I think he wants to go win a cup. And I'm just worried about whether or not Chuck Fletcher is going to fuck up this trade. That, like, that That's what I'm focused on. It's not whether or not he's going to go. Like, I'm, I'm already I'm already past the point of, of, of Claude Giroux getting traded. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of now just being like, okay, Chuck better not fuck this trade up. That, that's where I'm at. Yep, I feel you. Talks are heating up. Like I see NHL rumors daily talking every day about Colorado wanting Drew and all these other teams. It 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 feels like it should happen. Yeah. As much as we don't want it to happen, it does feel like it's for the best. And Definitely. if he wants to come back, like if we could sell him on it, fine. But you have to operate as if he won't come back. You can't bank on him coming back in the off season. Can um, we talk about how? I don't think this came from straight from N- NRD 
mouth. But I, I saw a tweet saying that I don't think Colorado is going to want to trade away New Hook, or it might be too much. And like, that, it really pissed me off because we're not talking about Nick Felino here. We're, like, we're not talking about Jonathan Pajot. We're we're talking about Claude fucking Giroux here, who they're going to yeah. get for four million dollars for a playoff run. Like, we're, like we're not talking about Nick Felino, bro. Like that's it. Mm. We're not talking about that kind of guy. We're talking about like, a completely it would be different, different if player. He looked, if he looked like he was declining, it might be different. But he he still looks like a demon this season. If he had a good team around him, he would. I mean, he has he's leading the team in points. I mean, he's second in the team in points. He's tied with Atkinson at thirty four years old on a shitty team on a bottom five team. Could you imagine him on Carolina? Could you imagine him? On, on on any other fucking team than the Flyers, dude. I mean, uh, realistically, on the Rangers, on on Carolina, on yeah, Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, any of these teams. Washington. Drew looks finer than ever right now. He does. He, any he, team he goes to, he's gonna fit just perfectly. He looks so good right now. He does. He really does, and it's sad because it, it it's honestly when I'm watching Flyers games now and I see him do dirty things, I get mad. I'm like, I'm not gonna see that anymore. Like, if, if he gets if he gets traded away, he's gonna be doing that in a completely different sweater, and I'm not. And, gonna and I get be used I get mad because like it means nothing like yeah. the Flyers win this game it doesn't mean anything I should be sitting there going wow what a goal by Giroux in a big game we're, we're about to take second in the Metro I should yeah. be texting you getting hype about that but no but no anything Giroux does at this point it's just the thought in the back of my head he'll be gone in a month yeah. so like, it's a sadness that hits it's kind of like a finale like I'm it's like when Wayne Simmons was about to go and like I'm watching his last couple of games like soaking it in type shit that's, that's exactly what it is here definitely I, that's where we're at it's sad. It's real sad. You want to throw it to the quick word from the partner? Yes, let's do it. The Liberty Yell is now the official partner of Park Sportsbook. New users sign up today using code Liberty Yell and get a risk-free bet up to $500. And when you deposit $25, it really helps the boys out. That's Liberty Yell, all one word. So if you think you have a lock on a game tonight, why not have some risk-free insurance? Thank you once again to Park Sportsbook and back to the action. And we are back and I'm throwing it to Bleed Orange and Black. Like that rhyme right there. It's a bar. No real questions. By now, we know what the team is. All we can really do is look at the trade deadline, look at the draft, and prepare for the future. Happy to see Danny Briere with an official title. Keep doing what you do, gents. Fucking love the podcast. Appreciate you, brother. But, I mean, I can agree with all of that. The whole Danny Briere finally getting an official title is... I mean, he was already doing what he's going to be doing before but yeah it's just a kind of a title thing definitely it's kind of like a childhood memory thing for a lot of us remember uh, Briere playing in the NHL so yeah it's definitely cool but I mean like I'm I'm tired of adding guys like I'm tired of these fucking in-house additions when my hockey team on the ice sucks like it's hard to get excited for Briere being the assistant to the GM when my hockey team can't connect a pass so it's, yeah, I know. When my power play is literally hurting oh my, my team God, actively. My power play looks like a fucking ECHL power play, bro. They have... They are... Oh, my God. Fucking third worst in the league behind Montreal and Arizona. That's a fucking joke. When you have Claude Drew on your power play and you're third in the league... <laughs> like, what are we doing here? That's the real question. Chaos AJ says, can we panic now? Been panicking. I, I just, yeah, I, I really wanted to say this. On December 8th, I wrote an article saying the Philadelphia Flyers are officially unwatchable. That is over two months ago. 
I panicked about Thanksgiving with this fucking team, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm the, cold now. My heart is cold with this team. The best. I want to see them all gone. The best part of the season was the first like week, and then after that, it was just all downhill from there. Like, it was even though we lost the first game against Vancouver, it was still a good game where we came back and battled. The, uh, the Seattle game was awesome. We blew them out, and then we blew Boston out right after that. And then after that Edmonton win, where Atkinson scored those two goals, it all collapsed, dude. Everything went downhill. It, it's brutal. And now, like, I remember when we won that game, Edmonton was, like, looking like a powerhouse at that time. Yeah. Now Edmonton's not even a playoff spot. So, like, that one single win that we held on to as, like, a big win doesn't even look that fucking good anymore. No, it, I was just going to bring that up, too. Yeah, like, that team, they showed a, a video of McDavid sitting on the bench yesterday after they lost to the, the Blackhawks, and he just looks like he's fucking done about being there bro. yeah i would prepare for those rumors to heat up because he does not seem it's, like the type of Giroud. he doesn't seem like the Giroud type oh no to stick it out they don't he deserve like, the Giroud type over there like they don't deserve to have him act like claude Giroud, even though we don't really either we didn't but... deserve it either yeah that's what makes Giroud so fucking special yeah for sure for sure victor campbell why don't you record more Sorry, Victor. <laughs> Dude, the team sucks, but nah, no, we're definitely team gonna be sucks, but we gotta be more active. Definitely, Absolutely. definitely gotta be more active. We're gonna be doing back to, to hopefully week podcast. Yeah. Trade uh, deadline coming up in like a month or like less than a month. Yeah, we nah, just don't like hopping on and like talking about the same thing. Like us hopping on now is just bitching about the team. Exactly. I don't want to just is. sound like a bitter little goblin yeah, behind dude. my microphone, like screaming about the team every because week. Because we are pretty optimistic people. I, I I like to think that we're optimistic. I mean, we're also realistic. I mean, you can't you can't tr- cross those two over and start getting weird. But it's it's all it's all doom and gloom right now. It really. I mean, there's nothing in the organization. And we were just talking about this before we hit record. There is nothing in this organization that's positive right now. The only thing worth noting in this organization is the Claude Giroux rumors. And that's not even about the all-nice play. Like That's about him leaving the organization. So that's the only thing <laughs> that people are talking about. the national headline. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to sit here and fucking... <laughs> And talk about this shit. I mean, it really is. Bro, we man. got dudes at the All Star game, literally just ass kissing him, trying to in, in an effort because they know he's gonna be available at the deadline. It's you got like Stamkos, Eberle, Colorado guys. Everybody is is kissing his ass, and it's it's cool to see. It's cool to see him get some praise, but we all know why he's getting that kind of praise. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's because he's leaving. Bro, he's leaving. You know, Tampa's GM was like Stamkos. Gonna need you to go to the All Star game and just talk up Drew. He's like, he's like, he's like, bring your kid too. He's like, <laughs> have him play with Gavin for a bit. Get that, get that family <laughs> connection going. Did you see the video of it was G in the locker room, and it was Gavin with I think it was Stamkos's kid because the kid. Yeah, had that's, a, yeah, that's what I'm referencing. Yeah, he's like, have did, him play with Gavin. Start did you, the connection. Did you hear Drew in the video, dude? It, it had me crying. He was like, like Gavin looked a little scared to like get, like get into playing with the kid and all you hear G behind the camera he goes get in there G <laughs> had me crying bro. I love him dude like it's so cool that he's calling him G now I mean I mean it's it's, it's crazy bro it yeah. was cool because like I, we all remember when like baby G was born and it's it was cool to see him like holding a stick in the locker room yeah, I was like oh dude. he's already he's already sticking he's already stick handling he's gonna be a beast 
Oh, he is gonna be a beast. I mean, look at Ovechkin's kid. Ovechkin's teaching him how to do a one-timer, bro. That's fucking terrifying. That kid's about to have the the, the most lethal one-timer of of existence of all time. Well, while we're talking about the young guns, oh no, let's go in a little prospect deep dive because it's not looking too too bright, but there is some bright spots. Obviously, Allison is the main oh, no. negative. Allison. I mean, every time he comes back, I feel like he, he's gone before I can even really watch him. And, and it hurts. Where is he now? He's injured, right? <laughs> no, he's definitely injured. But I just, I'm like losing track of what's wrong with him. It was the high knee. ankle sprain. Yeah, this one was a knee knee one, I think. Oh, it was the knee one. The one that Chris Mayer got on a, got on Twitter, right? Of like the, the, the non-contact yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So he's still out with that. Such a rough go. Yeah, I mean that's brutal. But uh, let's get into more brighter things. Bobby Brink leads the the college hockey in points right now, and he also leads in points per game at one point five eight points per game. I mean that's that's pretty good, man. I mean uh, this is interesting because it, it is. It, it gives you a reason to really keep an eye on him, especially <laughs> in next year's development camp. Because I really, I really want to see how he's progressed. Because dude, most of those are assists. And he, when we drafted him, yeah. he was kind of known as, like, the goal-scoring type. So I haven't really admittedly watched him play. It's kind of hard to watch Denver hockey play. I'm yeah. just going to be real. But, I feel um, like he's always been, like, a playmaker, no? Coming out of coming out of the draft. He's always yeah, had that what, Wasn't he, like, kind of touted as, like, a the skating's not fully there, but he has, like, a great release? I thought it was of. the skating wasn't there, but he's a good playmaker. I don't think the I don't think the shot was the main attraction with him, but I th- I I'm almost 100 percent sure it was the playmaking that that was like the the marketing point with him. But I mean, I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong about that. I don't. But know. But at this rate, seeing him progress oh, and yeah. not just decline, and Cam York looking like a stud. I mean, that decision to trade back and get that extra pick to get Brank could shape out to be. Shape awesome. out to be something awesome. Else. Well, like you know what the, the the best thing about the whole Brink situation is for me at least. I mean, in the World Junior last, no, the World Junior Championship where he he took home gold with with York and and, and Zegers. In that tournament, Bobby Brink was playing on the third line, kind of like grinding kind of role. And I remember in that gold game, he had like two, three huge block shots. He had another huge offensive zone shift. I mean. He's really, really showing his like, his versatility. Really, I mean, he's 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 able to play that third line grindy kind of role, not in the top six, in the World Juniors, and now he's over here putting up thirty something assists, leading the NC, uh, leading college hockey in points. I mean, nine goals, thirty two assists, forty one points, and two less games than Nathan Smith Jr., who's number two, right behind him. I mean, he's doing. Some really good things in college, so it, it's nice to see him be. It's nice to see him play different types of styles in different kind of leagues. Like he's able to play a third line grinding kind of role, and he's able to play a top six kind of role on the power play in Denver. So it's nice to see it. Uh, Chuck's first two picks aren't looking too shabby now. York and, and Bobby Brink. York already has some NHL experience, and he's definitely he definitely should be in the NHL right now. We haven't talked about him that much, but. Daynoye plays with a confidence that is He's awesome. above, above the QMJHL. Yeah. I mean, like, he, let's be honest. He had four goals the other night. Yeah. I mean, he, he the, the level he's 
at right now. The key, I don't think the Q is the best spot for him. No, I mean, it's the AHL. Raking. It's a hundred raking. Hundred percent, the AHL is where he should be. But I'm, I'm hoping that season Dude, ends like, soon and he just go. He just comes over here. And four playing. four goals the other night, and it seems like every single game he plays, he, like I said, he's just raking up points. Yeah, uh, he's a he's a good player. I don't know how good he's gonna be. I think he could be a good like bottom six kind of guy, but he definitely has that that attribute of being able to be aggressive. Like we saw him fight in his first NHL game in the preseason, and he definitely has the skill to go along with him. And the thing come the thing with him coming out of the draft when we drafted him, the question on him was, is he gonna be able to put up offense? Because he already has. The really good two-way game. Like, uh, scouts were raving about his two-way game. Like, he already had, like, an NHL defensive kind of game. But the whole question with him before he got traded to Halifax was, can he produce offensively? And as soon as he got traded there, he blew up. And now we're seeing what he's doing. I mean, he's 11th in the in the QMJHL in points with 20 goals, 22 assists, 42 points in 26 games. And he's He's... he's really 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 impressive right now in the qmjhl and like you said it might not be the best league for him because the qmjhl is in a very offensive heavy league there's no defense at all so yeah the ahl would probably be a better spot for him right now if we're if we're being technical but yeah because like especially him he plays so responsible Mm -hmm. and the offensive tools are there like he'll just eat there because then he'll just swipe a guy go the other way and then create a goal like he's been doing um Noah Cates has, I mean, he earned the a roster spot with Team USA, so that's pretty cool. And he scored yesterday, yeah. so that's really awesome to see. Joe Noah Cates is also the the brother of Jackson Cates, our boy. So I mean, he he stayed in college for an extra year, which was a very interesting decision because I thought he was going to come over, but he didn't. Uh, Jay O'Brien, he's uh having a better season than he did his first college year. He's third on Boston University with seven goals, 10 assists, 17 points in 17 games. So it's nice to see him start to pick up the play. He was on the NHL Network a couple days ago, and they were raving about his game, and he really did have a good game. I'm pretty sure he scored too. So nice to see. Absolutely. And he's a guy, like we all know, everyone wrote off. So any kind of resurgence would be welcomed. Absolutely. You want to get into the Dave Scott thing? Is the is the questions done? Uh, the, the questions are done, but I do want to touch on a couple more prospects real quick. Do it. Um, I can't wait to see Forrester back in action whenever that happens. I feel like we always forget about him. Yeah, I, I still think sucks. he's a he's a promising stud, and I can't wait to watch him some more. Zade Wisdom. This season in the OHL, he has fourteen games played with nine points. Good to see Zade pick up his play again. That, that, that injury last year sucked to see. Both of them, teenagers last year in the AHL, and both are dealing with some, some serious injuries, so it does suck to see. But it's nice to see them, well, at least one of them bounce back a little bit. And I want to cap it off with Andraj, or Emil Andre, whatever. Andre, Andre yeah. Um, yeah, he's been progressing beautifully as well. Yeah, so I mean, and, and he also plays in a – in a in a pro league too, and if if nobody follows Alex Appleyard on Twitter, he follows Andrea pretty hard. So if you want to get like more in depth information about email, definitely head over there and uh, read up on his on his page because he covers all of that and he gives some pretty detailed uh, exp- not explanations but pretty detailed play by play of the games that he plays in. So yeah, it's it's nice to see. We'll see how he. You, 
eventually ends up. I don't know if he'll be in the AHL next year. He might be in the AHL next year if they sign him to his ELC. So we'll see. Exciting stuff a little bit, but nothing too exciting to get. It's the only thing we can get a little bit excited about with these these prospects playing pretty pretty well. All right, let's get into the Dave Scott. All right. So that letter. Dave Scott letter, how do you feel about it real quick before I go off? Well, I, I immediately said to you that that's typed up by some PR <laughs> yeah, yeah. executive. Obviously, that's not from him. He's not sitting there behind his computer like taking the time type. out of his day to write that. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. Microsoft Word or Google Drive to write that. That's just, uh, I mean, the way it was painted in the letter was like, we know the team sucks. We're working on making it better. And as a as a gift to you, we're not going to raise prices. When it's really like, bro, you should have you should have knocked it down a notch. That would have been generous gift. And so we joked about it on, on Twitter. It's like, oh yeah, it's so thankful. Yeah, like they worded awesome. they worded it as if they were doing us a fucking favor. Like that's how they worded it, and that's how it it, it really read out to me. It, it read yeah. out to. This season has sucked. We know you're mad. So to help you to not get as mad as you are, we're not going to raise the prices next year. And it was kind of like crickets. And then it was like Dave Scott being like, where's my applause? Like, this is good. I'm not going to make it more expensive to watch a Flyers game. Like, dude, the tickets should be $10. Are are you being fucking serious? I barely want to watch your team on TV. (laughs) I mean, shit. Like, do I want to go... Hold on, so let's not even talk about paying for parking once you get there. So you're spending $22 to park. The ticket's what? Right now you can get a ticket for like $6. So you're spending 30 something dollars just to walk in the building. Then a beer is fucking $13. Lorenzo's Pizza is 8 Like you Like, no. <laughs> I'm not going. I'm and not. Season ticket holders, like, I feel bad for them because yeah, they suffer from resale market. So that they, like... Yeah. At this point, you could buy a Flyers ticket for like $8. And those tickets on StubHub come from season ticket holders who sell off some of their games. Yeah. And like, so for you to just be like, oh, no, no you have to pay the same price. We're not going to raise it. That's our gift to you. Yeah. Even though our tickets are going to be worth $6 two months in. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it, dude. Like, I really do appreciate you not raising the prices next year. I, yeah. Fuck you, dude. It's basically a fuck you to, from Dave Scott. I cannot believe that letter got sent out, bro. I, I really can't. That's, Here's what he should have done. What what? And I, maybe it's it's a little too early because I guess the the renews or whatever. I guess like the renew phase is now. Yeah. But I, I I so I guess maybe he couldn't have waited till later. But like, go out and do something before you send a fucking letter like that. Yeah. Go out and get Johnny Hockey, and maybe then, maybe then I'll be like, okay. And you're not or, in not increasing the prices okay maybe yeah that's what they should do but that's like a fucking summer thing for sure it, it, i'm gonna be honest with you dan what that letter is, is a, it's a jerk off letter that's what it is he's a jerk off dave scott is a jerk off i hate him i i wish he had nothing to do with the organization um i can't stand the man i really can't i can't stand looking at his face i can't stand listening to him talk listen to him try to talk about the Flyers and try to act like he knows anything about this organization, anything about the fans in this organization. Hearing him talk about Ed Snyder actually makes my fucking eyes hurt, my ears hurt. I hate I hate him. I hate him. Yeah, Ed Snyder, he talks about, he's like, well, when Ed was in charge, he yeah. showed Like, dude, you literally didn't even honor him on his birthday. We want what are you to talking get back about? to the ways of, where, of what Ed 
the standards of Ed. We want to get back to... Shut the like fuck up. Like, you forgot up. his birthday. You will never, ever get back to the fucking... You will never, ever reach Ed Snyder area. Ever. Ever. And the whole birthday thing, like, they haven't done the whole birthday in, like, recent years, so... I, I understand people getting mad about that, and I agree. Like, not saying a fucking peep about your... The only reason why the organization exists is insane to me. It, it, it's insane, but... I hate him. I just oh, I hate him so much. I just want to get that across to you, Trump, to you. <laughs> nah, I I'm just as fed up as you. I hate Comcast as a whole. Comcast Spectre. Yeah. The whole honestly, the whole thing. Their internet pisses me off too. Bad. Yeah. Com- yeah. Comcast as a yeah. whole, man. Do you want to hear I something? Do you you want to hear something real ugly, Danny? What's up? Lucas Raymond has more points than Konechny, JVR, Lawton, and Oscar Limbaugh. By, like, a lot. I mean, yeah, that's not surprising to me. He has 35 points. The highest anyone that I just listed is connecting with 25. (laughs) I mean, do you remember me sitting on this podcast during the bubble playoffs and bitching about how Anthony Bavillier is, like, outperforming TK by double, triple? Double, yeah. I mean, Anthony Bavillier looked like fucking Johnny Hockey out there, man. I like Bavillier. I think he's a good player, but he should not have looked the way he did, for sure. Yeah, I do remember that. Candy hasn't been the same since that bubble, 100%. Like, we, we, I remember sitting on this pod with you and being like, we're going to give him another year, we're going to see how he responds, but now I'm at the point where I'm done, I'm done defending him. And yeah, I mean, I hear people pointing out, oh, he has the assists. Look at the assist. He's still putting up points. People are just looking at the goals. Like, I don't give a fuck about assists. That dude is here to score goals. Well, who other than James Van like is a quote-unquote goal scorer on this team? It's him. It's James Van like It's Konechny. And it's Farabee. Those are the quote-unquote Maybe Atkinson. Goals. And, and, I mean, that's that's without saying. I'm talking about people making the argument for James, Konechny, and Joel as being the quote-unquote goal scorers. The only dudes on this team that actually, that actually score goals is Cam with 17, and he leads the he leads the team. But Connecting needs to be that guy. He's being paid to be that guy, and he's just not he's just not doing it. I mean, like you said, he has 116 shots on on net this year, and I, I can't imagine how many of those hit glass. I mean, how how many more shots hit glass that weren't recorded as a shot? Like you said. Yeah, he just had a different tenacity during his All-Star season that we just have not seen. Like, you go back and watch highlights from it, you'll see him just... He was money. Like, he really was just with money. He was daggering teams left and right. He'd get a rebound in front of the net and know just where to put it. Yeah, I know. um, I feel bad for Hart, like you said. I mean, the dude has faced 35.2 shots per game in his last four games, in his last four starts. And with all things considered, the defense and everything, he's been awesome. Awesome. Like he's still just as fun to watch than ever. He still stole them that game against Winnipeg, like in yeah. blatant fashion, just robbery. Gotta say though, with all that being said, that Detroit game last night was definitely his worst game of the season, and I don't even think it's, it was close. Yeah, it's just it's one of them things though where it's like he can't obviously can't be perfect forever with the yeah. team being this bad. I said um, it to I, I said it to you and your <laughs> I said it to you and your dad like six months ago when we were chilling in your backyard hanging out that one night. Like, what happened to Carter Hart last year is, is starting to happen now. I mean, for 
a goalie can only stay in his structure for so long when everything else around him, like when he's facing 35.2 shots a game, like I just listed off in his last four starts, when you're facing that many shots. Dangerous shots. Still. Dangerous shots right in front of you in the slot. You you come out of your structure. You come out of what you've been training in. Like, you, like he comes out of his shell a little bit, and he's going to start giving up goals. Yeah, but Carter Hart is the only reason, and the only reason we're not – fucking interviewing Shane Wright's family right now, asking about what he eats for fucking lunch. Like, that's the only reason. And we might still be doing that because of the lottery uh, rules being changed. But what I'm saying is he's the only reason why we're not bottom three right now. Much like last year, this applies. Martin Brodeur in his prime wouldn't look that good on this And Martin Brodeur also played in, in like, one of the fucking most boring systems the NHL has ever fucking seen, dude. And he's the reason why they added that that penalty from a goalie picking up the the puck with that with that line behind the goal. He's literally the entire reason. Yeah, the trapezoid. Yeah, because once you got past the trap and you would dump the puck in finally and get it past them, you just have Brodeur back there handling the puck wherever he wants. So, yeah, it's a joke, dude. It sucks. I feel bad for Hart Jones. Before we wrap this up, I think it's going to be Jones, Ristolainen, Braun, and Giroux are going to be the guys that are going to be dangled this uh, this trade deadline. I think Braun's yes, definitely yeah. going to. I think I think Braun's definitely a goner. I think a playoff team is going to look at him and be like, "Yo, we can scoop him up for like a third and a." I mean, we traded what a second and a third for him. I don't think he's worth a second anymore. Maybe, maybe a late second and a third, but maybe a third and a fourth for Braun. Um, James Van Reeves like isn't going anywhere. Fucking maybe Derek Broussard, if he's healthy, would be another trade piece, but he has to prove that he can stay healthy before that. So we'll see. It's it's dark days ahead, Danny. Dark days ahead. It just sucks because like I'm I'm looking right now at Carter Hart's career stats. Yeah. Two and across his entire career, two eighty eight goals allowed average, save percentage nine oh seven, and his save percentage this year is a nine thirteen. Yeah, he's been good. So he's playing above. He's having an above career average year. And it's just, it makes me wonder if, if he had a great team, maybe not even a great team, like a, just a good team, maybe like a third in the Metro, maybe a wild card spot kind of team at this point in the season, what his season would be looking like right now. Yeah. I, I firmly believe if he had a good team in front of him this season, he, he would look so damn good. Definitely. I don't think that's a question. If he had an, a competent team in front of him is what you're trying to say. If he had a competent defense in front of him, I don't. I can't imagine what his numbers would look like. If he wasn't facing 35 shots a game, what would his numbers look like? Like, could you imagine Carter Hart facing, like, 19 shots? That'd be fucking beautiful, man. Like, I'm sure he would love that, oh. too. But that's, that's asking that's a lot. That's light work for him, man. That's asking just, a lot. Just show up, make a, couple, make a couple quick big stops. And then dip, go home. <laughs> like, bro, he's literally facing, like, 40 a game, and he's making some just unreal yeah, saves. And it's it's... Every time a goal gets scored on them and it looks kind of bad on him, it's it's like, how can a human not be frustrated and not yeah, I don't know. play like be able to play as well as he can all the time? He knows with a culture, a system like this. You got Bobby Clark airing out former GMs. Like how how the fuck can you sit there and just put up shutouts every night? Can't. Nah, I mean he knows he's got a potential payday in the way, so we don't want to sound off and, and and ruin that any more than he. The team has already done, so <laughs> probably probably that a little bit. Plus, he's a good dude, good kid, so he's not going to be that guy that's like, 
fuck this team. I mean, I probably would. I have no self-control. I would walk in that locker room and be like, fuck you guys. I hate you. I hate all of you. Why is Gary Mayhew my best player? Nothing against Gary Mayhew, but he's been my best player for two weeks. That should not fucking happen, bro. That should not happen. When you have Travis Konechny, James Van Reems, like, Oscar Lindblom, Claude Giroux, Ivan Provorov on your fucking team. Gary Mayhew should not come from the fucking abyss. From the literal abyss. I've never heard of this guy before this season. Nothing against him. I'm sure he's a great dude. But for this guy to come up and be the best player for the last two weeks. Easily. That's not even a question. I don't think anybody can sit here and argue with me. That he hasn't been the best player. It's a fucking joke. It's an absolute joke. Like at least these other bottom, bottom seed teams have like good little stories to pull out of them. Like, Ottawa sucks, yeah, but they have, like, Kachuk, Tim Stutzel, Shabbat. Like, they have things to look forward to. Batherson. Like, they have some pretty good players on that team. Seattle sucks. Like, I, I, I don't think there's any light at the end of the tunnel for them. I think the yeah, way but they... they, they, like, they just got here. It is what it is. And they also have a ton of, ton of cap space. So they can be serious players in free agency for the next four fucking years if they want to. Montreal is another tire fire, but... Arizona's got some good little players that they're going to get some assets for if they decide to trade. Like, Clayton Keller can bring them back something really nice if they want to. Jacob Chitron is going to bring back something really nice. Even Ghost. I, uh, maybe they maybe they dangle Ghost. Why wouldn't they? Ghost is having an awesome year. Doesn't make that much money. Maybe a playoff team looks at him and is like, okay, come run my power play in the playoffs. And Who Montreal knows? went to the Stanley Cup final last season. And now so Marty like... St. Louis is their coach. Like Hockey is fake. Time is a circle. <laughs> like, what's going on, bro? They were in the fucking Stanley Cup Finals last year. And I have Dave Scott... And, and, and they clean house. And I have Dave Scott looking over at Chuck Fletcher being like, we're going to be good next year, right, Dave? We're going to be good. Are you fucking kidding me? It's a joke, dude. There's no accountability anywhere in this organization. Like you said. And it's pissing me off more right now because we're about to wrap this up. But like you said, there is zero accountability with this team. I, it's such, it's so sad. It really is. How do you think Clark feels? The teams that he was a part of, and now he's got to watch this bullshit. That's now why he, he's sounding off, dude. Because he's like, "What the fuck is this yeah. bullshit?" He's also seventy-two years old and probably doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks about him. So, <laughs> I mean, if I was seventy-two, I would say whatever the fuck I wanted too. Yeah, he's probably just pissed because, like, you have to think like he kind of like built the flyers up him and ed snyder definitely with the, with those teams and like throughout the year i mean like in the 80s like mark howe comes the team goes to a bunch of cup finals like they, they lose to the oilers is what it is and then uh lose the islanders and harper and then in, even in the 90s lindros cup runs the 2000s 04 playoffs against the lightning like deep playoff runs about to go to the final to 2010 cup final all he knows is just accountability, good culture, Ed Snyder pulling the trigger, getting shit done, and probably to see this passive douchebag do nothing for like nothing. a decade probably just gets under his skin. Probably. Horribly. And then also seeing Hextall lock himself in a room, like he said, word for word, and basically tell everybody around him, you're wrong, I'm right, we're going to do it my way or you're fucking fired. That's, what, that's the culture that the Flyers have been, like, bathing in since what? When was Hextall hired? 15-16? Uh, right before the 14 draft. Okay. Yeah, because it's Sanheim. Okay, so fo- right before the 14 draft. So they've been basking in Hextall's 
fucking ugly culture all the way up until Chuck became GM and then Chuck took over the team. So that that's where we're at now. It's trash. Yep, so all we have to do now is just sit back and wait. <laughs> just like last season. Last season, around this exact same point in the yep. season, I was sitting here going, let's just wait for the deadline. Let's wait for the cup to be handed out. Well, I guess we're right back here in the same boat. Nothing we could do about it. So, Right before we wrap this up, I just want to throw something at you real quick. Are you shopping Travis Sanheim? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Uh, like, Absolutely. I'm already confident in saying that Cam York is better than him. I'm I'm confident in saying that. I'm confident in putting Cam York in a number two left D spot and giving him a nice partner and being being okay with that. I really am. Probably San- Sandheim is just okay. There's nothing fun. Uh, maybe not fun. There's nothing exciting. There's nothing game changing about Travis Sandheim at all. Absolutely nothing about him that's game changing. And I, if I have a team or a GM. That thinks highly of him, or still thinks highly of him. I mean, he's 25 years old. I mean, we we talked about it on off the pod a couple days ago. I mean, this is usually the the age where you, you really start to find out what a defenseman is. I mean, 25, 20. He turns 26 in let me see March. So he's 26 in less than a month. So this is when you this is when you really start to understand what a player is, especially a defenseman, and what Travis Sandheim is is an okay offensive defenseman who can get out of his zone well. He can break out pretty well, but struggles along the boards tremendously. He struggles in front of the net tremendously. He's liability. every single good pinch on offense that he gives you, he will give you one defensive sequence where he just gets out-muscled. Yeah, he just gets completely and completely out-muscled. And I remember it was like Cam York's first or second game. Where he completely stood up Troy Terry. It was his first game because he made his NHL debut there. Not his NHL debut, his season debut there. Completely stood up Troy Terry in the slot and used physicality to do that. And Cam York is three inches shorter than Sandheim. Four? How, how tall is Sandheim? Sandheim is 6'3? 6'3, 6'4. And Cam York is 5'11. And Cam York has shown me more physicality in his like. 10 games in the NHL than Sanheim has, has in 5 years. 13 games in the NHL. I'm sorry. Cam York has played. Then Travis Sanheim's entire career in the NHL. I mean, this, this is the same dude that got thrown around by Nathan Gerby. Like, this Bro, guy's you, just You remember soft. when Cockton Niemi just, like, yeah, almost, like, like, ended him yeah, in this, the playoffs? This guy's just soft, man. I'm, I'm, and like, but like we said, like, he'll give you one nice little offensive pinch where you're like, oh, nice. Like, he really made that play happen. And then you'll see him just get out muscle in front of the net. It's a trade-off. It's a wash. He's just an okay player, in my opinion. He's, yeah, he's an okay. Yeah, there's nothing exciting about him. Did, did he score last night? He did. It was kind of nice, too. Yeah, with the, the slapper. But, like, he'll never do that for the next two months. Like he, he'll yeah. have one really nice play where he shows his skating ability off that he can. I mean, he can fly. There's no doubting about that. He'll he'll, he'll have a really nice play where he brings the the puck up on the wing with the speed, and he'll have a nice shot. Then he'll have like a nice goal like that, and then you don't see it for two months. And then he, then when you don't see, he's kind of like JVR. If he's not doing that, he's he's doing nothing. He's giving up goals. He's giving. He's getting beat in front of the net. He's getting beat along the boards. He's getting fucked up by Jess Perry, Cotton Niemi. Like, what the fuck, bro? I'm openly trading him. I'm looking to move him for another young defenseman 
because I think he's still at that age where you can move him one for one, kind of like a player swap. I think he just needs an, uh, a fresh start. But that's just my opinion. Maybe I'm, I'm sure some people would disagree with me, but it yeah. is what it is. I mean, I mean, the Flyers should look into it, and if if they find a deal that they like, cool. If not, whatever. The Flyers should be I'm, looking. I'm really iffy, iffy on it. The Flyers should be looking into anything at this point, bro. There's nothing they shouldn't be looking into. Should. When you're, there, there shouldn't be one person in this organization that should feel safe with except how Carter this Hart. year has gone. Except yeah, except Carter for Carter Hart. Hart or Giroux, if he chooses. If he chooses, like. No one else should be able to sit back and think that this is acceptable because the fact is this is two straight years now where this has just looked acceptable. The GM's yep. still here. Yep. The players are still here. The players that have underperformed are still underperforming and will still be here. Yeah, that, that That's a problem. You can't – because if you're a player and you've been shit for three years – but the team is still giving you paychecks and have no threat of trade rumors, anything, no hot seat, no one's calling you out, then, like, what's to stop you from just going right back into that same... Mentality. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I agree, man. It, dark days are ahead. It's gonna We're going to be turning into scouts very soon. We're going to be turning into to trade deadline experts very soon. So, um... I want to do kind of like a live show come trade deadline because if if if, if it's really fun. if it's really Claude Giroux's last little bit in Philadelphia, we need to have like a nice live show with some the Liberty Line outline uh, layouts for us. I mean, I'm sure they'll hook us up if we ask. But yeah, I think we should do something live. I mean, if this continues, I don't see this team going on a run, which would take Giroux out of a fucking trade talk. Like that's not happening. So. Yeah, I think uh, maybe a live show, so keep tuned for that. Keep keep tuned with the Twitter for that one. But this was episode 74 of the Liberty L. Be sure to follow us at the Liberty L on all platforms. I'm at TLY Danny, at Chris Stumps. Go floor.